Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Uh, so today we have two fantastic guests for you. Not one, but two fantastic guests uh, from, from Canada. We love to hear from Canadian guests. They are underrepresented. We have lots of uh, guests from the UK, lots of guests from America, less, less so from, uh, from Canada. So delighted to, to, to welcome Marnie and Gail to the to show. Well, welcome. Thank you for, for sharing your time with us today. Thanks, Simon. Um, so it's uh, we had a great conversation when it was three weeks ago, something like that. I'm not sure. Um, I've been looking forward to, to this one. So uh, perhaps could you introduce yourselves to the uh, to the listeners, please? Maybe we could start with you, um, Marnie. Okay, I'm. Um... Marnie Tate, I am a reunited adoptee and, oh, I was just almost feeling like I was at a support group. I was going to tell you how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) You can if you like. Okay, well, I'm feeling excited and nervous. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. And and Gail, could you introduce yourself, please? I'm Gail Davies and I'm a reunited birth mother with a... Well, when we fall, our relationship has fallen apart. It was good for 15 years, but the last while it's fallen apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, could you share a little bit more of your, since we're with you, Gav, could you share a little bit more about, um, more, more about that and more about the story, if you, uh, just as much as you feel comfortable sharing? Okay, okay. Um, should I, well, I, I start right. I was I was 17 when my daughter was born. I was sent to a home for unwed mothers, and um, I spent 10 days in the hospital with her, feeding her. And the day, the tenth day, was the day I was going home. And the day that I had to sign the papers, didn't want to. I was told by the social worker that they had this wonderful family for her to go to. The father would have his own business, the mother was a nurse. And my mother said to me, you have to go to work. There's nobody to look after and I'm not gonna look after her. So I felt I had to sign the papers and uh, I felt I had no choice. And, um, but I just uh, always longed to find her. And um, when she was 27, I found out about the, uh, we had the reunion registry and I put my name in and she had put her name in and a few months later they matched us up. And uh, we had a very a good relationship. It wasn't the same as the relationship with the daughter that I raised. Um, her mother and I got to be good, for, uh, quite close. We kept in touch. And she always said that she wished that uh, I had been in Allison's life with her when she was growing up. She felt it would be easier for her, it would have been easier for her. And, uh, but it got after about 15 years, well, she moved back into the East Coast to Newfoundland and I'd gone to see her out there and uh, she was struggling. And, and anyway, she, she always felt jealous of the relationship I had with the daughter I raised and felt that Livia, the daughter I raised, got to do more things. And because my daughter, Livia, uh, was a dancer and I was a backstage mother and we toured, you know. Australia, New Zealand, Finland, or Russia, and you know Canada and the state and stuff. And and Allison always something she had wanted to do, so she was kind of jealous of the things that Libya had done. And just uh, she just um, we just 
uh, um, I was bringing, paying for my grandson to come out for Christmas. And uh, anyway, just things got mixed up. She was angry with me. And since then she hasn't talked to me. And, and so, and I, I emailed her uh, on her 45th birthday. I emailed her um, happy birthday, but I didn't know what else to say because she wasn't talking to me. I'd phone and I talked to my grandson, but she wouldn't talk to me. And uh, when, when that happened, when my grandson came out that year, she wouldn't wouldn't let me see him because she felt I wasn't being friendly enough. So I, things just got, uh, you know, I know it's really hard now. She's living in Australia, so it's really hard try, to try and connect. I'm still in touch with my grandson, but not with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. I feel, feel bad, but at least, you know, the thing... Uh, I'm glad I did find her and that I, cause the hard part was all those years, not knowing where she was and how she was and that. So, and I did feel when I found her, I did feel like I had this hole in my heart and it kind of closed over and that. And I had friends that said to me that there had always been a sadness in my eyes and it was gone once I found her. So, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that's, I guess, basically, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, what can I say? That's uh, tricky. There was some, some a, time of, a time of peace uh, and, and, a, and, a, and some healing there and then some raw stuff, obviously, afterwards as well. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, Marnie, could you share a little bit about your story, please? Um, well, I'm an adoptee. I was adopted at, I think it was 10 days. Um, I, I wasn't in foster care or anything, just went straight to my adoptive home. And um, my adoptive parents already had an, an adopted daughter that was five years older than me. So, um, I mean, we had, we had a good family life. And I mean, we knew we were loved. We knew we were adopted. And we also you know, as my sister and I became adults and talked about it, we, we both always knew it was something that we didn't talk about. We didn't ask any questions because that's just, you know, they told us we were adopted. That's all we needed to know. Um, but, you know, as we got older, we, we were curious about, you know, where we came from. And, and so um, I think my sister was 33 and I was 28 and we managed to get mom and dad out of the house to go for a walk with our husbands and kids. So we were going to clean up the kitchen, but in reality, we were going to snoop to see if we could find information. And we did. And so I just thought I, we were born in Edmonton, Alberta. And so I just called social services on the Monday thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to tell them who I am and they're going to tell me everything I want to know. And there we go. But that wasn't to be the records were sealed. So no information, which made me mad, because how could someone tell me that I can't tell you anything, but they're sitting there looking at my information. So they know all about me, but I can't know all about me. Um, anyhow, you know, a few more years go by and we registered with a passive registry. And then um, in 2000, I uh, was united with a brother who was born after me. And I found out oh, almost a year later when I did pay for a search to find my mother, um, 
that she had had a daughter before me and then she'd had me and then she'd had my brother who the three of us had been placed for adoption. And um, when I did go to meet my mother, she denied that she was my mother. And um, anyhow, I knew it wasn't that she had dementia or I just, I just knew it was that she just couldn't go there. And so I, she lived in Edmonton and I, I lived here in BC. So I would go and see her once or twice a year. And she was happy to have me come and visit. And as the years kind of went by, I became her adopted daughter, which I thought, well, I'm adopted. I am your daughter. So I was fine with that. And um, then I went to see her in 2007 and I had kind of been coached by um, by a counselor here in BC and also by Joe Saul who is from New York that um, you know she was not allowed to be my mother they were told she was told by you know the powers that be that basically she wasn't good enough to be my mother so of course she didn't think she was my mother so they said just approach her with I had two mothers one who raised me and one who gave birth to me and then just tell her that you think she's the one that gave birth to you and and I did that I got her in a quiet place and I was holding her hand and looking into her eyes and and I said that to her and she said I think so too which I think it took six years for her to get to the place where she could really trust someone and she trusted me enough that she could admit that she was my mother. And I can only imagine what a weight that lifted from her shoulders. And I mean, what it gave to me, I mean, obviously it was a gift to me that she was able to say those words. And um, through it all, I was fortunate to have the support of the Forget-Me-Not Family Society. That's where I met Gail. And um, Without that support, I think I really would have gone nuts. I just thought I was nuts, but I found out that the thoughts and feelings I had were very, very normal. And I mean, that in itself is a gift to be with people that can finish your sentence, that to find out they have the same thoughts, they have the same feelings, and to find out that you're not alone. I think that's, that's huge. And that's, that's how important the support is, is to help you through these incredibly hard confusing times yeah well these are powerful stories um so uh can you tell me a little bit more about the forget me not found out your um, foundation yeah uh, well, I don't know. Gail, Gail has been with the Forget-Me-Not Family Society since before it was the Forget-Me-Not Family Society. She, so maybe, maybe Gail yeah. could kind of start and then I can yeah. add. Yeah, that would be right, yeah. Okay. Well, Forget-Me-Not Family Society originally started in uh, 1992, became a society missing pieces under, uh, missing pieces through adoption. And um, the, it was just a support group and there was quite a few support groups in the Vancouver area in British Columbia. And then there was a few of people that wanted to break away and do more. And so they formed the Forget-Me-Not Family Society. I was asked to be the secretary treasurer. So, and um, so then we, um, we had, so then we started having conferences and uh, um, 
working with the government to that's to open the rec records and so we got that opened records in 1996 and we had for several years uh, conventions our first one was in February 1993 and we had convent um, and so and then it, then it started, things opened up so much that the conventions, we weren't getting as many people. So we stopped that. So basically, yeah. And now we don't have as many support groups, but we still have them and we do workshops and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So this is for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So um, normally we're talking about thriving adoptees as the name of the podcast, but I guess today it's broader than that it's everybody thriving it's everybody thriving um and so i was wondering if you could share uh what you've learned maybe um what you've learned that you'd like to share with the listeners about how what helps people in the adoption triad thrive let's make it a bit wider Let, let's make it a bit broader today because that's more in keeping with um what you guys do mm -hmm. right okay um i kind of forgot the question <laughs> okay so um what helps what have you learned uh Personally, and 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 through forget me not and the preceding predecessor organisation, predecessor. I can't even. Say. <laughs> um, <laughs> what what helps? What have you learned that helps people in the adoption triad thrive? That you'd like to share with the listeners? Okay, I'm going to go first. Um, I have learned that it is the my opinion the most important thing that we are all together that we aren't just adoptees meeting or birth parents meeting or adoptive parents meeting i think we all have to be together because otherwise we're just going to be kind of on that little hamster wheel we're going around and around our stories are all kind of the same but we don't know what that other part of the equation is so i think that if we include everybody, then we can learn from each other. I mean, I know that at first, when I was going to some of the support group meetings, like I felt like my sentences could be finished and my feelings and thoughts were being understood, but yet there, were, there seemed to be like maybe, and because it's quite a few years ago now, but there also could have been some meetings where there were more moms than adoptees. So this could have been why I had, had the thought that, you know, it's all about the moms. And then I think once I got over that thought, then I started listening. And that's when it was like, oh, like you didn't forget about us. You loved us, you never forgot about us. And I think that that's the important piece is that we learn from each other and we listen to each other and we ask questions of each other so that then, then we can take another little baby step forward. And that's, I think, how we move towards healing is 
by listening to each other and learning from each other and sharing our experiences. Because if I hadn't, if I hadn't listened and learned to the moms, I would not have been able to have the compassion for my mom that I did have. And so, and I think that it's important for the adoptive parents to be there so that they can learn how difficult it was for the moms to lose their babies. And I think that it's important for the moms to hear from the adoptive parents, you know, like how much they just, you know, love these children. And, and then it's important for siblings. And, you know, I just think, I just think that we need to be as inclusive as possible. And I think that that's what helps us thrive. I think that's a good word, thrive. Yeah. You know, I, the thing that came to my mind as, as you were, um, uh, as you were filling up, you know, with the, uh, as you shared that, was I, I watch I watched them for a bit, but I watched the the Long Lost Family, the UK series of Long Lost Family, which is often about uh, reunion reunions, and how I see the mothers talking about the love for the kids that they have had adopted, and the tears come streaming down my my face that they are tears of relief joy love um they're a reminder of for me of how wrong i was for a while about my birthday and they're this uh, and and the, the tears come and and I and I'm and like bring it on this is this is the tears are the melting away of, of the pain and the realization of how I wrong I was when I thought that my birth mother didn't love me enough to keep me and it, that sounds like a little bit like what you got, what you mm-hmm. get from it. Yeah, I I agree. I I mean, I mean, Gail is you're our mom. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's it's. I just I just I know Gail has told me. Oh, I don't even know if I can. Gail, when your mom was driving you home from. Maywood, and mm-hmm. you were looking out over the bay. I, I just think, I just picture you as a 17-year-old girl that's just had to sign away your baby. And here, you, like how lost and alone you must have felt. And that's just, hmm, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. That was a hard drive. I could still see that rhyming along and looking at the ocean and just just feeling feeling like a zombie, like they're just, yeah, I had, you know, nothing, yeah, yeah. And you're staring on as if nothing happened. Yeah, right, yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, 
it really helped me with the support group meetings, hearing the doctor's side of the story to understand where my daughter was coming from. Because, you know, and, and that's where I found with it, just hearing hearing them talking and just, it, um, and then, uh, yeah, it really helped. And my daughter and I were just, at first, I mean, it was especially that first year, we were just like in a honeymoon. We couldn't, always holding hands and, and uh, wanting to be together and, Livia had a hard time with it because I, Alice and I would make plans and then Livia, I'd say, Alice and I are doing this. Do you want to join us? And she'd always used to being me doing everything with her. She was first, but, and, um, and, and it was just, uh, and then, yeah, so, but it was, I, I just, yeah, I go back to, we were talking about, um, it just really helped. And it, did, it does help too, to hear the adoptive moms too. I came to a place after, well, going to the convention in the American Adoption Congress and hearing the adoptive parents at our group, being able to, to tell her parents that I realized how much they did love her. And it really helped our relationship too, you know? So, yeah, because that was hard. It was hard. I mean, I would go have Thanksgiving dinner with them and different things with them and birthdays, my grandson's birthdays and that. And it was always hard seeing the, them, her mother with, with her and feeling on the outside. So I can imagine what it was like for her with my daughter that I raised, she'd feel on the outside. Yet we still had this connection and this closeness, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what else, yeah, what to say, else to say there. It was just really, really hard. The longing and wanting to see them and then just but you can't get back what you had before, but it just was so wonderful just to, to know her and see her and be able to be with her and that, you know, yeah. 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 She got, I, maybe I should say, say we went, I did, after we, we found each, each other uh, a year later, I decided to take her, both of my daughters on the holiday to the Bahamas in Florida, just to make some memories together. And, um, and so the first day in the Bahamas, she met somebody and she wanted to be with him all the time. So she was with him and hardly with us and that. And so when we left there to go to Florida, we're on the boat. And I said to her, she was really, you could tell she was really down. And I said, you're really having a hard time leaving. And she said, yes, but, but she was so moody and hard in Florida. And I said something to her one day, I said, you know, Allison, Bahamians, you know, they have a different idea of marriage, love and marriage, you know, to, in that. And she just got so mad at me. And she just said to me, stop trying to be my mother. You gave me up. So F off. And I was like, I was like, oh. so I had to really be careful what I was doing the rest of the holiday. And what I was saying, yeah. Yeah. And then, but then, you know, it, it's, it's, her parents were so, her mom was really understanding that after that, while we were still talking, every Christmas, her, her mom let her come to us for Christmas because she felt she needed it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So she, even that year, it was November after, a couple of weeks after we came back, she was like, what are we doing for Christmas this year? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. She got yeah. over it. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it it seems it seems to me that underneath 
all the underneath all the um, the details of the of the stories and all underneath all the stories, there's um, there's this big, profound, warm bath of love and understanding mm-hmm. and empathy and shared experience and all in it together. And when I say understanding, I, I don't mean like a rational understanding. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, I, I've, you, you can't, you can't do a podcast where you don't say anything. You know, we have to fill in this, we have to talk, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel at, at this point that we could just sit here in that, that bath of, of love uh, that, when all the stories disappear and all the, you know, and the tears, the tears are flowing, we're just all in that place of oneness together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're all in it together. And that, that's what we're, that's what we're looking for in a, in a, um, in a support group or even like, even at a, a rock concert, you know, or a or a, a football match, we're all in it. We're all in it mm-hmm. together. It's it, it, we've we've lost the self, and we're all one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bath bath of love, where everybody understands one another, and mm-hmm. and there's no anger. You know, contrast the anger in on um, uh, on on holiday in Bahamas to the to the love and the the healing that you felt at other stages. You know, where we're kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm struggling with the words on this actually. Well, I like how you're describing it. Is you know, <laughs> as we're we're one whole, like to, together in in our in our feelings and our thoughts and a lot of times none of those are rational but i think the way that we get there is by you know like doing the support because i i don't think that you can you can get get to that that place unless you've got support and and that you've been able to to talk and and listen and be with people that understand how you're feeling because if you were just to go and have a discussion with um somebody whose life has not been impacted by adoption they they're going to kind of look at you like i think you're a little crazy you know what i mean because they they don't they just think well well, you found them you know so i I think that that or why do you want to find them? You don't need well, to find them. Or why do you want to find them? Because didn't you have a happy life? But it's yeah. it's got it's got nothing to do to do with that. And he, and you know what? It's just kind of like you said that, and it just makes me think about at the end of one of our workshops, um, we usually have a support group meeting just so everyone can kind of um, like if they're feeling a little messed up or edgy or you know. We can we can talk about it, and then it's it's kind of like we're this 
this little little group and we're all, we're all going to walk together now we're going to go for dinner and then you know and and then the next day we usually have another support group and and it's like nobody wants to leave because because we're just kind of like this this group and we're all so connected and we don't we don't want to do or say anything that's going to break that connection because it just feels so warm and loving and inclusive and it's um you describe that very well I, I like how you how you said that yeah it's like our family yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, we all want to be understood, right? Um, and and we all, I think we all want, um, we, we, we all want, uh, I'll speak for myself, right? <laughs> um, I, I want the, 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 the uh, I want the negative voice in my head gone. I want the insecurity gone. And, and it is gone whilst we're in that space. So, but, this this is this is an experiential. We're talking an ex, an experience here. Um, so the first time actually this happened to me, I went to um, a meeting of a of a of a group that I'd been to before, um, where I'd done a lot of my healing, and it wasn't actually an adoption. It wasn't actually an adoption group. It was. It was a, a consciousness group, a group of people that wanted to understand why we feel the way that we do and why we, why most of the time we're not choosing how we feel and what's choosing and that sort of stuff and who we truly are underneath all the, the voice in our head. And I came into the room and there was a projector and it, it was showing um, the different groups that had got together over the years. Um, and there was me, and it was, and, and the and the group that I'd been in six years before. So it was like a refresher meeting, really. And I just, I felt, I felt the love, I felt the love in the room, and I, I, I and I just felt how much I'd changed in that week of the of the group, and since then. Um, and again, the tears just, the, just the, 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 the tears of the, the nut stuff that's in our head. Mm -hmm. The stuff where we're so wrong. And I, I've, had, I, I've, I've had a different, I've had a completely different reaction to that stuff, actually. I was listening to somebody um, talk about driving down the road and having a huge you know insight into how wrong the, the voice in his head was and the nut and and, and the, the, the how, how nut so his thinking is a lot of the time and at that time I have the same realization about how off my thinking is and he had to. He was in America, so he had to. He had to pull over on off the freeway into onto the hard shoulder, or whatever. And I almost had to do the same because it was the shared experience of realizing the truth of you know who we are and 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 how how wrong <laughs> how wrong I how wrong I'd been 
and 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 what what you're describing with uh, bringing together the different members of the adoption triad, the, the birth mothers, the adoptees, and the adopted parents, is we understand how the others think mm -hmm. and, 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 and the, the false stuff that we've made up. We see, we, we see, I, I was talking about this the other day and it's all, everybody's talking about sharing stories. Um, but the stories, well, the story that I used to share was a work of fiction. It wasn't the truth. wasn't I, I, I had it I had it so wrong so the gift that you give within your group is getting people to truth it seems to me mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of peace there right mm -hmm. yeah and you know there's something just that just that came to my mind was um we've had Joe Saul for I think three workshops and I remember him telling or saying that um, you have to keep telling your story until you don't have to tell it anymore. And I, I think that that's like, I, that, that's just been something that he said that has really stuck with me. I think that, that we need to be able to, like he said, tell our story until we don't have to anymore, but we need to be able to do that with people that are, are listening and understand and can relate to can relate to it and and like you said the group that 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 you were going to wasn't about adoption but yet i mean it would it it goes into so many areas of your life where you know you've got to stop the the negative head talk and um well i mean i've tried stopping it um and uh, I've, I've been un unsuccessful in it what has helped is, is realizing that it's not true. Um, and as one of my mentors says, you know, it becomes an opinion that I no longer um, value. That, that's what's helped me. Now, that's not to say that I don't value it sometimes. I just value it less. I value it less frequently. I value less of the thoughts. Because when I'm talking about my story here, really, I'm, I'm talking about the, the idea that she gave me away because she didn't love me enough. That's one. That, mm -hmm. That's the story that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the, um, the facts of the story. I'm talking about the meaning. And, and for me, the meaning that we give anything in life, and especially adoption, is the meaning that we give it that causes us the pain, not the actual event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot of talking. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I have to say one more thing that uh, Joe Saul said to me that really helped empower me because I was always used to say I gave my daughter up for adoption and he said stop saying that you had no choice so I now I don't say that anymore and I'll say that she was taken from me 
which empowers me more because it wasn't my choice, but saying the other way, that's what you think. And I had no choice, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah words, words kind of twisted and used another way can, um, it can change everything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's when I first started, you know, into, into all of this. I didn't know, I, like I, I kept hearing different, you know, like surrendered and relinquished. And, and I just, I just, when I was talking with a group of moms, I want, I want, I want to get the words right. You know, I, I, I don't want to use a, a term that's going to be hurtful. I want, you know, I want to be respectful. And, and, and then you also find out that there's uh, terminology is just like, there's, there are some that you can only use this term and you can only be this. And then, and I just, I just think that we need to be respectful and just let everybody use the term that works for themselves because, because you're talking about yourself. So you should be able to use whatever term works for you. Cause I know there's a lot that like the term birth mother is just like, just sets them right off. And so I just say, but you know, but, but if, if for this mom, if, if saying that that's what she is and, and she's, that's her word, then let's just let people use the terms for themselves. You know, that like, I, I always hated the word uh, adopter. I just thought, oh, that is just so negative. Like it's, it's, it, it just sounds like, I don't know. I just, but anyhow, I'm, I'm getting better at not being um, triggered with terms. <laughs> but, but Gail, you've got a buddy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, Gail's cat is joining us just for, for the people that can't see. <laughs> We've never had a, a, a meowing cat, you know, right. that actually made it onto the Zoom. Um, and and he, adop he adopted me. He showed up at my place in February and hasn't left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he joined too. So, um, yeah. Pets, interesting one. Um, so I, I, you know, we've we've had me and my wife have had uh, we have two dogs at the moment. We had another one before who, who died, unfortunately. But that that um, they they've been a great they've been a great for insight. They've been great for me for insights into that this kind of stuff. And as I say that, I'm thinking people think I'm nuts. But uh, anyway, it, it works for me. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that having a pet is is so good for kids when they're growing up. I, I I think you can. It's almost like you can tell somebody who has never had a pet. You know, I I, I like I can't explain that. It's just like you kind of. No, I don't think you ever had a pet, and you ask them, they say nope, they never have, and it's it's just it's it's so obvious. I think that they just they just give you that. Um, they're, they don't judge you. They just love you no matter what. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I've got a link here. This is this is unconditional love, you know, and that space that you're going to in the su support group, um, you're into a, a place of un unconditional love. Uh, apart from the odd um, triggering comment by using <laughs> terminology <laughs> that gets people going, you know. Right. <laughs> Let's focus on the love bit, not the falling out bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to share, um, Gail or, or Marnie, on, on, this, on this thriving stuff? Hmm. I don't know. You know, it would almost be, it, it would be interesting to hear from somebody who attends the support groups, you know, what, what has helped make them thrive? Like, you know, um, what, you know, maybe like what I, cause I think that sometimes like with the tell your story until you don't have to tell it anymore. I think that it, at one point, and I've seen it in people that have attended the group, um, like they have, they, they have had that same story, just like you, Simon, you said that, um, you know, the story that you had about your, your mom not wanting you, like, you know, and then you had the realization that that wasn't, that wasn't a true story. Um, and I, and when you see people let go of, of a belief that they've held on so tightly to for so long, it is just like, you just, just see how they change and how much lighter they are. And I mean, there's a, there's been a few people over the years that they were so, they were so angry and you could just see it. They were just angry people. I mean, they weren't angry at us, but, but you know, like they would just come, come in and it would be like, there was this big weight on their shoulders and, and they, and they just kept saying the same story over and over and over again. And then it's like, all of a sudden the light bulb went on and they let it go. And the difference it made in in seeing them, like like you know, Gail said, you know, being empowered, you know, like what Joe said to you, and and I think it's just realizing that you don't have to <clears throat> hang on to that old stuff, and that it's it's okay to keep talking about it until all of a sudden one day I I guess they've just realized they they don't they don't need to have that same story anymore. And so that's that's helping them thrive. I mean, it's empowering them. It's helping them thrive. Yeah. So for me, my my issue was that I wasn't good enough in business. My this this um, not not good enough um, flare up my birth mother. Uh, it, it 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 lasted about ten seconds, but it was like a tornado for ten seconds. Um, and then the the lady that I was with said. Well, she gently said, "I'm a birth mum. I'm not a birth mum." Said, "I'm a mum, Simon. I don't think it was kind of like that." And she said it in such a gentle way. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that she was. Oh, there's a there's lots of phrases going around for that. I didn't feel that she was negating my experience. I was like, "Yeah, you're." I think that this feeling, this feeling, has come to me out of nowhere. And now it's gone. It's gone again. I mean, but it, I, I talk about it being a volcano that erupted, and that but there was still a little. After, it came from nowhere. It erupted without warning, 
I'd never felt that way before. I was 40, but then there was a little bit of smoke still afterwards. And then I, uh, and, and then I read, um, then re I read the uh, Nancy Verio book and, and thought, and that disempowered me. I thought, well, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm wounded. I'm primarily wounded. Um, uh, and, uh, and I thought, well, this explains everything. So logically, you know, I believed it all. And I thought, yeah, well, I'm, I know my source and I know the reason I know this, the source of my pain now. And then when I realized that I'd got it wrong, that's when I bounced back higher than I'd been before in terms of my mood and my security and my self-esteem. And uh, it comes through insight. You know, I, I, I ask people to share their learnings on the podcast for a very specific reason. And that's because I, I'm trying to cause insights in the listeners. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very, very intentionally. I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was gonna say about myself with my having my daughter taken from me, I never felt good enough, you know, and I, I, and I never felt that I could look for her because I was told that I couldn't and I would never see her again, even though I asked if something, I did ask if something happens to her parents, will they, she come to me? And they, of course I was told no. And um, so it affected, it affected everything. It affected my relationships. Um, I never felt like it affected my bringing up my other daughter. I was a, you know, like I say, a backstage mother. I did everything with her because I was so afraid. I, I, I wanted to be with her for, with everything, and and uh, and it, in fact, and I always second guessed myself as a mother because I felt I wasn't good enough. And even with uh, never relationships with men too, because I felt that I wasn't good enough. I was damaged goods. So it really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well because I've done so much of my learning about this stuff with, with people from the outside of the adoption world. Uh, I've, I've, I've come to a, a very uh, stunningly simple conclusion on this and that nobody feels good enough. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody feels good enough. We, so we, we, we've all got a, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a metaphor for this. We've all got a bowl of ice cream that says not good enough on the side of it, mm -hmm. but everybody's flavor is unique. So I've got the, um, not good enough. I've I've got a, I've got a double scoop. So, um, well, funny enough, I don't actually have that anymore. <laughs> uh huh. That's nice. Um, I I I had I had, uh, I had uh, two two scoops in my bowl. One said not good enough at business, and the other one said not good enough in a, in adoption. Uh, not 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 good enough to, to be kept by your birth mother. That's what it said on my in in my um, in my bowl. 
Um, and uh, over the last 12 years, I've had an industrial uh, fan heater on the ice cream and it, it's melted and then evaporated. Well, kind of. Yes, there's still a bit of uh, there's, there's, there's still a little bit of juice. There's still a bit of um, uh, melted ice cream in in the in the bottom of the in bottom in the bottom of the um, the bowl. But it's the business one actually. The the, the because I'd I'd had that thought that I wasn't good enough in business for for ten years for fifteen years something like that and still more than that. Whereas they're not good enough because adopted, I, I, that, that that was a that, that that scoop was a lot smaller. <laughs> but but it's part of it's part of the human condition that we don't think that we're good enough. Mm-hmm. No, right. and, n- nobody thinks we're good enough. Not good enough. Mum, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter. Podcast host, podcast guest, you know. Take, take. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but you know that that thing about the not good enough. Like I never growing up, and I don't know why, because we didn't talk about being adopted. But I never, I never felt like my mom hadn't loved me. And I, I think it must have been the way I was told that I was adopted. And um, I can't remember the, the words because I was probably four. Um, but I, I always, my, my adoptive mom was always like building up the self-confidence and, you know, like I could, you could do anything. And when I realized, because I, like she, she always said that I sang lovely. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good thing I didn't, decide I was going to be a singer because that would have been a real disaster <laughs> but, but you know it's it's I had I think I had more more positive head talk when I was a kid because we were always told how good we were at things um and it was as probably as I got older and I realized I wasn't quite as good as I'd been told I was yeah. but it's it's yeah it's it's hard to it is hard to to change it and then real and then have that feeling like you're you're not good enough and you know eventually I don't know if it just comes with age or you just they're like you know what I I, I don't beat myself up like I like I I used to and I, I think part of that but, is age. I don't know I do know I can't sing so <laughs> In my next life, I'm going to be a singer. <laughs> I, I, I'm using um, "not good enough" as a shorthand, I guess. Um, so, like, I, I was I was bullied, and you know, and I failed my driving test, and you know, I, I messed up some exams, and you know that you know I, I fancied the girls that didn't fancy me, and I didn't fancy the one. You know, I was always, that. That's what I'm talking about. Not mm-hmm. not not good enough. Um, Oh, when I felt I'd failed this exam and wasn't going to be with my best buddy in because he was going to the he passed the exam to get into this school, uh, that that for me was tricky. That's what I mean by 
not mm-hmm. not good enough and, mm-hmm. and not good enough business. But the, I, I never had that. I, I never had that not good enough um, cuss of adoption thing until I hit forty and I had that that that, mm-hmm. that, that brief tornado stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 I get, I get what you're, you're, you know, how you were meaning it, but it was, it was just, I just thought it was kind of funny how, you know, like we, you know, I, as a kid, I thought, you know, I could, you know, rule the world kind of thing, and then as I got older, then it was kind of like, like you say, oh, I'm not quite as good at math as I thought I was, and, and just, you know, like, real, real life experiences then. That, yeah. The truth, though, is that we are all brilliant. We're all perfect with our imperfections. We're all diamonds hidden in a pile of poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the poop I- of our thinking the poop of our thinking, the poop that we've been through in our lives and the poop that, that's uh, the re- residual poop in our hearts because of stuff that's happened. But underneath all that mm-hmm. is the truth of yeah, yeah, the truth uh- of And the poop of our story as well. Because the story is all thoughts. I'm, I'm talking about the story in our head, the, the, the one that we're not talking about. Yeah, that, that's yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about the facts. I'm talking about our interpretation. I'm talking about the meaning that we put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the, yeah, how we can kind of, t- we take the, the facts and, and, and twist them into, into a story that isn't, isn't true. Yeah. But, but we, you know, we all do that. And I think sometimes that, that's where, you know, the line, like, don't, don't take it personally, you know? And sometimes, it's, sometimes that's what you have to remind yourself too, is not to take it personally, because it's, if, if someone like, um, for, for example, my siblings that I'm not in touch with any longer, um, at first I was really hurt and then yeah, then I had to realize, okay, you know what, it's, it's not about me. It, it's about them. And we didn't grow up together. So how could we think or do things the same way? So they were reacting from their own life experiences. And, and so I, it was just, you know, I was able to, to let that go. And that was, I mean, that was a huge, you know, relief to be able and I but and it wasn't letting them go like in in a way that is saying that I didn't care about them or love them anymore it was just in a way that okay you know what you can't keep forcing yourself on these people (laughs) and it's not I, I mean I wasn't being wrong and they weren't being wrong we were just coming from our 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 life experiences and and that sometimes then that helps that head talk then it's then you can just let that go because it really wasn't about you. It that's just that was just how it was. That poop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I let go of the poop. Yeah. <laughs> well, if somebody tries to give you a bit of poop and you don't accept it, it's still there. Yeah. 
<laughs> remember this poop story. <laughs> I'm the audience. <laughs> You've been, it's been a delight. Um, we're going to put a link to the Forget Me Not Family Society in the links, guys. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I'd like to, I'd like to close off by saying thank you for, for, um, uh, for such a fascinating conversation and your openness. I loved it. Is there anything that you'd like to, to close with? Um, I'd just like to thank you for reaching out to us and um, I've really in, in enjoyed our conversations. We've, we've gone deep and, and we've gone light and, uh, you know, I think that, I think that's the balance. So I, I think that the thing I'd like to leave with is just um, support groups, support groups and being together. I think that that's, that is, is so helpful. And I, I appreciate you, you putting us out there. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Simon, for including me. I really appreciate it. It's been been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you all again very soon. <laughs>